everyone, Michael Unger here with another episode of Let's Innovate, a BC Science Fair Foundation podcast where we uncover the passion behind great ideas. And this season, the theme is volunteers. So we have been going back to talk to people that have been volunteering in various aspects of science fairs in their life, get their perspective on their experience, and find out where their passions lie. And in this episode, we are talking with Kenzo Vlasman. He is the co-chair of the Greater Vancouver Regional Science Fair. He's currently going to school doing his master's uh, out at the University of Toronto, the teaching program in the special education and inclusive education. Lots to get in there, but uh, Kenzel, thanks so much for coming on the show. Well, thank you for having me. So Kenzel, uh, first off, you know, you're the co-chair of uh, Regional Science Fair. How did you first get involved in working with science fairs? Those those are those kind of like happy accidents, I find. Um, my My school that I went to, my high school, uh, they did science fairs every year. Uh, so I would do projects and I was never particularly successful with them. Um, but uh, in doing so, our school is very kind of community focused. Uh, lots of, you know, volunteering, lots of doing things around your community. Uh, so my science fair teacher was talking about how there's volunteer opportunities, uh, you know, day of volunteers at the uh, district science fair, which was just at the community college down the street. Uh, so mm-hmm. I did that. And then while I was there, I got chatting with the the chair at the time for the Greater Vancouver Regional Science Fair, who was saying, oh, yeah, like totally, you know, we need we always need volunteers for the Regional Science Fair, which is coming up like in a few weeks. Uh, so I did that, you know, kind of day of stuff, just running around, helping out and eventually just kind of got to the point where, you know, it's like, oh, you're interested in like joining the committee, uh, start doing, you know, the. <laughs> it's running running through all the the steps that I'm talking to new members about now where it's like oh you know you can start you can do something you know light and simple you can do uh like uh student activities you know things with kind of less less on your shoulders and then just working my way through it I eventually delegated uh for Ken White Science Fair uh, at which point one of the other delegates who's been around for a while recommended that I join on for vice chair and did that for two years, and then now here we are co-chairing from the other side of the country. <laughs> Interesting. So were you uh, doing science fairs uh, when you were a kid? Is the science fair something that uh, you were actively involved in? Not at all. <laughs> um, I, was, I was a history guy. Uh, oh, okay. A history and social studies kind of guy. Uh, so the best I've ever done in science fair was honorable mention within my school. So I didn't <laughs> even make it to districts, you know, like on, on the history front, like I made it to a national history fair, all that stuff, but then not with science fair. And even, even, you know, my, my degree, my undergraduate degree, my current degree, none of it has to do with science, but I just, there's something about science that I still love and is fascinating to me. It's interesting because a lot of people that I've interviewed for this podcast are past participants, faculty now. They used to be in science, still in science. Uh, but for you to come at this from a totally different angle, but now see from a fresh perspective the value of it, but also knowing that you're not working in science. But I find that very interesting. And I can see from your background that you kind of have a history of 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 being interested in education in your teaching right now in your master's program but before we get to what you're learning about now you had mentioned before about there seemed to be a history of volunteerism in your school i'd like to to piece that out a bit more like 
were they actively getting students to volunteer in various things in the community? Like, was that something that was part of your education that you should be volunteering? Did you have a sense of duty uh, to do it? Like, um, what was that vibe like when uh, you were in school and you started to volunteer? Yeah, so I, I went to a mini school. So, you know, mini schools have a, a particular focus, you know, so like uh, Bing, Bing Arts, for example, is, you know, an arts-based school. Lots of schools are academic-based. Uh, but my school, Ideal Mini, was a, it was more of a community-based school. So it was it was about having, okay. you know, small environments. You call your teachers by their first names. You know, every grade is just one class of about 30 students. Uh, as you move throughout, you know, it's yeah. one hallway. It's six rooms, right? It's a, it's a very small school. <laughs> yeah. And the, the whole vibe was, you know, the, the school itself is very heavily run by the students. Like the, you know, the cafeteria and various, you know, uh, open houses and all that stuff that's all run by the students so there's a sense of autonomy and giving back to the community there but then there's also the the encouragement like you said to to go out and either into the local community and help out you know there's opportunities to volunteer like down at the senior center that was down the street that they would set up for you but a lot of it was just kind of instilled in you you know that you should be you know actively seeking out these opportunities to 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 help out in whichever way you see fit. Uh, and, you know, one of the things I was interested in is doing the science fair stuff. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I think that in many communities around the world, it's either um, already part of the culture that you volunteer, you help out, it's just what everyone does. And then there's, you know, this other part of culture, which I can certainly remember, you know, when I was a, when I was a kid, which was, you do the bare minimum. <laughs> you do your schoolwork and you do whatever your parents tell you to do. And the rest of your time, you do whatever you want to do kind of thing. Um, and certainly, I think a lot of that culture too. For you to kind of be involved in science fairs from the outside, and you say that you were kind of drawn to it, you're drawn to science while not being involved in science, what were some of the things that you observed uh, in science fair that um, made you say, hey, this is something special going on here? I really like the the interactions that I have with the students. It's not necessarily about the science itself, but the science is the product of the student. So depending on who yeah. you're talking to, whatever, whichever student it may be, you know, whatever grade, there's there's always that that kind of why question, right, that we always do in science fairs. It's why, why did you do this project? You know, why did you choose that? And lots of times there's that that personal connection and then it brings out the personality in the science. And so for me, it's, you know, mm. I, I do really enjoy science and all, you know, many aspects of it. It's It's more about the students that produce the science that really fascinates me. I see sometimes when I see kids involved in science fairs and on one hand, it's a competition and there's a sense of, you're competing against the other students, but of course, science also is very collaborative nature. And once you get involved in it, you're drawing from other people's expertise and you will do better. Like your science will be stronger if you have a diverse um, set of people around you working with you. When kids are learning through that, but then they're also involved in a competition, what are some of the things that you've kind of noticed or perhaps um, are able to impart some wisdom on when you see kids learning that process? These, the, the students that you work with, whether it's it's on a regional level or it's on a national level, they're they're very they're generally very high achievers. So they they expect a lot from themselves, and whether that's intrinsic or extrinsic pressure yeah. that they have, it's it's there. It's very real. 
we always have this thing that we say uh, to the students the, the, before we go to the awards ceremony. It's our, uh, our regional coordinator, uh, Devin's kind of line. And it's, it's, we say, you know, it's, it's not what you win, it's who you become. And that's kind of become the, the GVRSF motto. And I don't know if that's taken from anywhere, but that's just kind of how we, how we approach it and how we look at it with the students. Because, of course, you know, there will be students who won't win awards. They won't do as well as they thought they would. And they're going to be very hard on themselves. But it's, it's important that, you know, after this competition's over, you know, and you, you get a medal in the mail or you don't, mm. that's, that's all done and dusted. That's in the past. Then it's what can you look at for the future. The amazing thing is when you see certain uh, people and certain projects that as, as you kind of follow through them or follow them through the, through the years, you kind of watch the students kind of grow as well when you see them take that to heart, that's when it, it really kind of comes together and it feels good. Oh yeah. I love that. It's not what you win. It's what you become. I think that's a great segue to think about that for you and what you're becoming. Now you have moved across the country to the university of Toronto to do your master's in teaching in special education and more inclusive education. So I kind of want to piece that out a bit uh, because that's really what what the heart is of what you're studying. Of course, when I was going to school, I had this idea of what special education meant. You know, there were some students that had special needs and that was sort of defined. How would you define it now in 2022, what special education and inclusive education means? Special education is is a really weird term because it's um, implying that there's a normal in a sense. There's, there's a baseline of what is expected from students, you know, kind of a, a neurotypicalness. Yeah. Um, but in that regard, it's, it's almost problematic in a sense because the, the normal is just being human. And so when you fall outside of a certain set of parameters that are defined by who knows, it brings up this kind of, kind of gray definition sometimes I don't even like using the term special education but I can't find a better way to put it just because like everyone's a student and it it doesn't matter what your ability level is you're still a student and so that's where the kind of the integrative nature where education's moving towards it's it's not it's not quite there it's not where it should be but there there is like you said you know when I was Mm -hmm. going to school a lot of times those those classes were separate right? They were, they were segregated from the rest of their peers. And that in itself was pretty terrible in hindsight. So nowadays, you know, we have students that are, you know, in the classroom with their peers, they may require additional support. And that's fine. You know, absolutely, we'll, we'll give them that support that they need. But that's where that kind of that that notion of inclusiveness comes is br- bringing students into the classroom to be with their peers, because at the end of the day, everyone's just a student. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I have come up with these themes, of course, like in many of the work that I do, you know, at the Space Center, working in science. And as things change and evolve, we get hung up on language because we have these terms that we use, like special education, that people already have an understanding of what that is, but now it's changed, but we still are beholden to that language, right? And and the systems in that um, in that framework of special education, which is, these kids um, need to be separated from the rest of the students, somehow making them they're different, but we're all different, right? Like we're all different learners. What I'm seeing is that 
special education, inclusive education is kind of like a different approach in trying to make some changes in the way overall that that we teach and how we help people learn. Am I getting that right? Yeah. And and a lot of it, it honestly comes back to like remembering what I observed when I was going to school and the some of the horrible ways that certain students were treated, whether be it by their peers or uh, by their teachers, by the administration, just because they needed, you know, something a little bit more than what they were provided with. And whether that's, you know, a lack of uh, being able to be flexible in how you teach someone or how they can demonstrate their learning. Uh, I remember observing a lot of that. And that's kind of part of what inspires me to in in both my research and teaching in practice of how I can how I can never see have that happen to any students going forward. Yeah. Before we end off, I also want to ask you about some of the other things that you work on. You have such a wide variety of things that you volunteer with that you've been working on, like the Canucks Autism Network, uh, a skills coach. You've also been working uh, with the Canucks Sports and Entertainment um, Organization as a coordinator. You have a lot of experience of working with people on the autism spectrum. So I'm curious, you know, what motivates you to work with with people um, like that and why you continue and why it seems like this is a place for you, that you have found your place as an educator um, working with these people um, uh, that have autism? Working with kids on the autism spectrum was, was another happy accident where I started uh, volunteering. I signed up to volunteer with Vancouver Adaptive Snow Sports, which is like an adaptive uh, ski teaching thing it happens up on grouse and cypress and all that uh so i signed up for that and in my mind you know the idea of disability was physical disability it's like oh i'd be working with you know a blind individual or someone yeah. who sits skis that kind of thing and then when i got there i was paired up with a boy with autism and it just kind of snowballed from there because i was like i have no idea what i'm doing here like i've you know i've spent my time you know i've done surgeries i've been in hospitals all that so like i understand i've done physical therapy i understand a lot of that. But then when I got working with this boy with autism, I was like, I have no idea what's happening, but like it just, it just clicked. And so from there uh, I had a colleague at uh, Canucks sports and entertainment uh, who just got a job working at Canucks autism network and they're all paired. You know, the Canucks for kids fund is what funds Canucks autism network. It's like, Hey, I'm working with this boy with autism. Like does Canucks autism have some stuff going on. And then they had some positions open. So I applied for those and just, started working that was back in like 2014 i think so it's been it's been almost a decade now and it just kind of keeps spiraling and it's just something that's it's one of those things that i always think about where it's it's challenging it's it's hard there are days where you you go home and you just you think like man that was that was hard that was tough you know you may even think about quitting for a second but it's it's when you see kind of the results of your work and you see, you watch these kids grow and you see them develop. And at the end of the day, you think it's all worth it. And that's when you kind of know that you might have something that's worth pursuing beyond just, you know, a casual kind of volunteer or part-time gig. Yeah. You know, I think that it's a good life advice for anyone that when you start doing work that's a little bit challenging, but you've been drawn to it for a reason, there's something in there that's interesting that helps you grow because you're challenged by it. But at the same time, if you're motivated by it, 
you can you can do good there. You can make a difference uh, in that realm. And it seems like in just hearing your story, you were involved in this wide spectrum of education, whether it's science fairs, you know, highly motivated people to get involved in extracurricular learning in science fairs and also people um, that have these special needs and uh, and, uh, and people on the autism spectrum. Um, I think it's wonderful, uh, Kenzo. This has been a fabulous conversation. I'm excited to uh, to learn more about where you go in the future. Uh, after you're done your, your master's program, um, what are some of your goals uh, for the future? Part, part of me like wants to, you know, especially, you know, being in this position of co-chair, I want to, I want to yeah. definitely be looking at like, you know, how can we make science fairs more accessible? Because the one thing I do notice is like, you know, students who are very successful in science fairs have a lot of doors open to them, even before they start their project, right? They have access to labs, they know people, there's often a big financial burden there, even to attend science fairs where there's, there's a bit of a fee. And that's not as equitable as I would like it to be. Something I really want to work on is how do I make science fairs more equitable, more open for either all types of learners and, you know, different uh, people from different backgrounds, socioeconomic statuses, all that, um, because I, I think that's kind of the next step of where it needs to go. Yeah, certainly in my brief tenure of working with the Science Fair Foundation, that is something that has been on my mind as well, learning about science fairs. But I've also been really inspired, um, especially um, coming across people like you, Kenzo. Thank you so much for joining us on the Let's Innovate podcast and hearing about your story. And if you're listening, thank you so much for listening to this episode again. Please like and subscribe, share with your friends. If you'd like to volunteer, just like Kenzo has uh, with the Regional Science Fair, um, you can send us an email, info at sciencefairs.ca. All right, folks, that's the end of this episode. Until next time, let's innovate.